0: Life Audio. And in those times when we're in pain, it doesn't matter what kind of pain, whether it's physical or emotional or relational or spiritual, we just want our pain to end. As a society, we are very pain averse and we look for a quick fix. And for this woman, there was no quick fix, but she kept her faith and her faith was rewarded.
1: I'm Jody Niznick, and you're listening to so much more. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Dr. Michelle Bankson, and I will be back to talk about finding hope in the midst of a painful journey. Hi, everyone. If you've been
0: injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free.
1: Dr. Michelle Bankson is an international speaker, a national and international media resource on mental health, and the best-selling award-winning author of Hope Prevails, the Hope Prevails Bible Study, Today is Going to Be a Good Day, and Breaking Anxiety's Grip. She's also the host of the award-winning podcast, Your Hope-Filled Perspective, She is a board-certified clinical neuropsychologist who is in private practice, and she's been doing that for more than 20 years. Dr. Bankson blogs regularly, and she offers a wide variety of resources on her website, drmichelleb.com, which I will have links for in the show notes. And the book that I didn't tell you about is her newest release called The Hymn of His Garment. Reaching out to God when pain overwhelms. And we are going to spend our time talking a little bit about finding hope in the midst of pain. So, Michelle, thank you so much for making space to be with us today.
0: Oh, Jody, it's my honor. You know, I think more people are experiencing pain than most of us realize. Mm-hmm. So, I'm hoping this conversation today lends a hand and hope to those mm-hmm. who are hurting.
1: Me too. You are right. I think people present something on the outside, and we have no idea what's going on below the surface. And you are a perfect example of that. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about your journey. So first of all, you're a neuropsychologist, which I'd love for you to just tell us briefly exactly what that means. But it does make you more than qualified to guide us toward finding hope in the midst of our valley seasons but you also bring something else to the table that I think makes you even more qualified. You have walked through years of really difficult and painful circumstances. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your journey?
0: As a neuropsychologist, I'm a medical professional that patients come to see me when there's any question of any kind of brain dysfunction. And that can range from ADHD or learning disabilities in children to post-stroke or after a head injury, or even if there's a question of dementia in elderly patients. So I get the honor of working with patients and helping to assess what's gone wrong or what's not working optimally, and then trying to figure out a treatment plan that will help get them back to full Mm -hmm. functioning. Mm -hmm. But as a neuropsychologist, then I see patients who are hurting. Mm -hmm. They're hurting physically or they're hurting emotionally or relationally. And I've had the opportunity and honor to hear lots of their stories. And what I know is that pain is a great equalizer because Jesus warns us that in this life, you're going to experience pain. You're going to experience trials like it's going to happen. But you're absolutely right that I think so often we put a smile on our face, either because we think people don't want to hear our pain, or we really don't want to go into the depths of our pain, or we're thinking, how long do you have? for us to discuss how I'm doing today. (laughs) My husband and I though, have walked through some very painful experiences. When we were newlyweds, he was diagnosed with cancer. And I'll never forget the day that we sat across from an oncologist and he looked down at his shoes. He wouldn't even look at us in the eyes. And he said, Mr. Bankson, you need to go home and get your affairs in the order. You have less than two years to live. And he went through a horrible 23-hour surgery and almost a year of chemotherapy. It took him a long, long time to regain his strength. But God, mm. he's still with us 22 years later, but he's experienced cancer two times since then. Wow. And I've been given a cancer diagnosis on more than one occasion. And there was a time, Jody, when he was so ill and he lost his job during the great financial crisis. And so... I did what I was taught to do growing up. And that was, I jumped in and did more to to compensate Mm -hmm. for what he wasn't able to do. And I ended up working at the private practice over a hundred hours a week. I Mm -hmm. would work until midnight or one in the morning. I would drive home. I'd take a quick shower. I'd take a quick nap and I would be back at the private practice by three or four. And I did that for months and months and months until my body shut down. And one day I was seeing patients and I doubled over in pain and I thought, Oh, this is, this is not good. So I got my patient up to the front office staff where they could take care of her. And as I was walking back to my office, my husband actually walked in the back door, which was highly unusual. And he looked at me, he goes, you don't look good. I said, I'm not, something's wrong. I, I think you need to take me home. Well, things got worse before we got home and we diverted to the emergency room and Long story short, I ended up having two emergency surgeries. I was put on medically induced bed rest for five months. I was kept alive on IV hydration and nutrition. And I dwindled from 113 pounds down to a skeletal 74. And during that time, it was such an odd experience because I could no longer be the doctor and I could no longer do what at the time I thought gave me worth and value. Mm -hmm. And the longer I remained on bed rest, the more depression got a foothold. And I ended up sinking into the pit of depression to the point that I remember crying out to God and saying, God, if this is going to be my life, I'm not sure I want to go on living. Mm. Mm. I did recover from that and God has used that experience but we've also walked through miscarriage we walked through job loss in 2019 we grieved the loss of over 19 friends and family in that one year alone so we are certainly no stranger to pain and honestly when when the publisher came to me and said will you write a book on pain I didn't say this but what I thought was oh, no no I don't want to write a book on pain because I know what I have to go through for each one of my books to write the book, Hope Prevails. I had to go through the valley of depression, the yeah. right breaking anxiety. I had to experience anxiety. Right. So my first response in my humanness was, <laughs> no, no, I, I don't want to go through more pain. I, I've dealt with enough pain at somebody else's turn, but, but I prayed through it. And I really felt like the Lord said, well, you don't have to but if you don't, I'm gonna ask someone else. And and in all honesty, Jody, I wanted to be obedient to God more than I wanted to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that is how this book ended up being written.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the you have to live the message to really yes. have the message to share. And I think there is a high cost to that. And so I having read your book, I know it will be helpful to anyone who has been facing. Ongoing pain in their life. And so I will just say to you, thank you for your obedience and that. Um, I know that there was a hard cost to that. You know, one of the things that you say in your book is that, you know, the treatments prescribed to you, they were helpful, but they were incomplete. And so tell us what you found was really lacking in some of the treatment that you had even been prescribing to people.
0: When I went into that pit of depression and and that was that was probably worse than any other kind of pain mm. I've experienced because it was so dark mm. and I heard the enemy's lies, although I didn't realize they were lies at the time and what was so odd to me was that I was the doctor with all the alphabet soup after my name, so I thought in my pride, and I'm mm-hmm. acknowledging that to you and your listeners i I had pride, I thought. I knew how to prevent it. And I knew how to treat it. So I was shocked to go through that. And so I started, I recognized depression for what it was. And so I started doing all the things I would normally suggest to my patients. I was prioritizing rest. Once I was able to start resuming solid food, I started making sure that it was a very nutritious diet. Once the doctor's Cleared me to slowly start exercise. I made sure I was getting exercise. I made sure I was getting vitamin D. I went to therapy and I even got on medication Hmm. and all Mm -hmm. those things helped, but they were not enough to take away the depression. And I thought, God, if, if you don't show me what the missing link is, I cannot go back to being a doctor helping patients because I will not suggest something unless I know it's going to help. And it I've never heard the audible voice of God, but the best way I can describe it for your listeners is it was like a holy whisper in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I felt like God was saying, Michelle, until you address the spiritual roots of disease, it is like you are putting a Band-Aid on an infection and hoping it gets well.
1: Mm.
0: And it was like a light bulb went off because I thought I had been addressing the physical. I had been addressing the emotional. I had been addressing the mental. But I had not been addressing the spiritual side. And quite honestly, I went, Lord, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean spiritual roots of disease? And he started showing me, I said, you're going to have to show me what this is because I don't know. And he brought me back to scripture. Specifically, he brought me back to John 10, 10, which says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Mm -hmm. And the good part of that verse is when Jesus says, but I have come that Mm -hmm. you might have life and have it to the full. Mm -hmm. And I had really been feeling like, wow, I'm doing everything I know how to do, but This depression is lingering and I just, I would look at other people. Social media is a a great comparison trap. And I would look at other people and think they are just so joyful. I must be joy immune. And as God kept bringing scripture to me, I realized he can't be joy immune because joy is a gift from God and he gives it to his children. And I am one of his children. So that is a lie from the pit of hell, but it was quite a long process for him to show me, look, You have a very real enemy Mm -hmm. and you cannot ignore him in this equation.
1: Mm -hmm. We're going to pause here for a quick break and then we'll be right back. I would love to talk a little bit about holding on to hope in really, really hard seasons, especially when things don't seem to be working. So you're doing all of the things that you just talked about to try and heal and maybe even attending to the spiritual side, but it just feels like we're running up against a wall. feels like God isn't answering our prayers and our pleas and our cries to him. And so that's where I'd love to talk a little bit about the theme of your book, which is the hymn of his garment. It is a beautiful phrase that comes from a couple of places in the gospels, but we have chosen to meditate on the passage from Mark 5 And it actually doesn't even say specifically those words in here. It's from a different gospel that that phrase is tucked into this passage. But I love the way this passage unpacks this thing that's happening with this woman because she's been bleeding for 12 years. I love how it unpacks it because you see that she's tried and you see that this is this last effort for her. So let me just read it real quick. And then I'd love for you to tell us, what it means to you, and even as you meditated on it, where the Lord took you. So this is Mark five twenty four through 34, and it says this, a large crowd followed and pressed around him, which is Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. And that's where it says in other translations, the hem of his garment. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said, You see the people crowding around you and you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So Dr. Michelle, tell us why is this so important to you?
0: This woman is one of a few people in scripture where I think if I put myself in her situation, she experienced every one of the types of pain that I talk about in the hem of this garment,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: talk about physical pain. She had physical pain from that infirmity and that bleeding. Any woman who's gone through menstrual cycles knows it's not comfortable. She experienced Emotional pain. She experienced relational pain because at that time in culture, if you, she was bleeding, she had to be ostracized and set away from her culture. And so people looked on her with disdain like, you're unclean. You You're not allowed to be a part of us. Mm -hmm. She experienced financial pain. Scripture tells us she spent all of her money going to doctors and got worse. And because she bled, she couldn't have an income. She couldn't do anything to make money. And I have to wonder if she experienced spiritual pain by wondering, God, I I know you can heal me, but I've been asking for 12 years, why are you not healing me? And then I talk about secondary pain, which is the pain inflicted by the words or actions of others that makes us feel worse when we're already in pain. I would imagine people saying things to her like, what did you do to deserve this? Mm. You must have unconfessed sin in your life. Or why isn't God healing you? You must not be praying enough. Those kinds of comments. And then she also probably experienced grief and loss, not just grief over losing her health, but what about the hopes and dreams that she had as a young woman? And Dodie, because I've walked every single one of those types of pain at different times in my life, hers was a story that I just, I had to hold on to it because She overcame the comments of others, the doubt that she might have had, the lies that she might have believed. And she decided to risk everything, go back out into society to find Jesus and reach out to him. That would have come at a great cost for someone who was not allowed to be around other people. And yet she was rewarded. Mm. jesus rewarded her faith and in those times when we're in pain it doesn't matter what kind of pain whether it's physical or emotional or relational or spiritual we just want our pain to end as a society we are very pain averse and we look for a quick fix and for this woman there was no quick fix but she kept her faith Mm. and her faith was rewarded
1: You told me that you got to actually spend some time meditating on this passage before we got on the call. I'm curious, how did the Lord lead you in that time with him today?
0: In scripture, when we read about Jesus going to people, Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus's daughter when this woman comes out and and Jesus went and healed the blind man and Jesus went and cast out demons. When Jesus went to people, they got their healing. But for this woman who sought out Jesus, she not only got what she most wanted, and that was her physical healing, but in Jesus taking the time to find her, to acknowledge she was the one who had great faith. He not only healed her body physically, but he healed her emotionally and relationally. He gave her worth back to her. She's the first person in scripture where Jesus called her daughter. And after 12 years of being cast out and told that she was worthless and couldn't come in contact with people, he looked at her and said, daughter, Mm. your faith has made her well. In that one sentence, he gave her a future and a hope. Mm -hmm. And so we are in the midst of our pain. Frequently, we have our sights set on what we want God to heal. When in the background, what we can't even see in the natural, I think God is more concerned about healing those places that he deems most important. And it might be our heart. Mm -hmm. It might be our relationship with him, even in our pursuit of physical healing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important for us to keep in mind is that God is not turning a deaf ear to our prayers but he always knows what's best for us. And he never withholds anything good from his children.
1: Michelle, I'd love for you to tell us how you personally have, have implemented that truth into your life. Because I think this woman prayed, I'm sure pleaded with God to heal her for 12 years. And the answer seemed to be no. Well, and it was no for 12 years, And you just talked about the the reality that God is doing deeper things in our life. And he, you know, he's always after our heart. This is the truth of who our God is. And he's always after helping us to become more like Jesus, no matter what we are facing, good seasons, really, really hard valley seasons. But for you personally, when it felt like God was giving you a no, for your healing or removing your pain. How did you keep clinging to God? How did you keep reaching out for the hem of his garment in those seasons?
0: If I'm being honest, I'm still there. Yeah. I'm still in chronic pain. There are, there are days I literally can't get out of bed. There are many nights where my pillow is tear stained because I'm in so much pain and I, I just got want God to take it away. But here's what I've learned, and, and that is that if I didn't experience pain, I know myself well enough to know that I wouldn't be as dependent on God because I would think I could do it all in my own strength. It is in those times when I'm in the greatest pain that I cry out the most because I realize apart from him, I, I can't do the next thing. I, I can't put words on paper. I can't conduct that podcast interview. I can't even make dinner for my family. And what he's shown me through this process is that he's more interested in my growing in my relationship to him than he is in my comfort. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard pill to swallow, especially mm-hmm. when your pain is so deep. Yeah. But I've learned that I have to focus on God's faithfulness and his other characteristics more than I focus on my desire for physical healing. And sometimes that means I have a very short memory. When I get in pain, I, I I often forget how God has brought me through every other circumstance that I shared with your audience. He's brought me through every difficult time, 100% of the time when pain is so loud and it's deafening. Sometimes I can forget how he's brought me through previous right. situations, but that's when I have to turn to scripture to remind myself of here's how he brought Abraham and Sarah through yeah. their situation. Here's how he brought Job through his situation, who was another biblical great who walked through every one of those types of pain. And so it really helps me if I can go back and focus on God is faithful. Mm-hmm. But I have to surrender control for how I expect the healing to come about. And sometimes he's healing my heart when maybe he's not currently healing my physical body. That may never come until I get to heaven. Right. right? And I have to be okay acknowledging God is in control and I'm not. And he's not punishing me. He has not abandoned me. He has not walked away from me but it's up to me to remind myself of those truths. And that's where pain can be so deceptive because in pain. I think we are more vulnerable to the lies of the enemy.
1: Mm. So good. Pain in my life has done that. And like you said, we forget, but God has been a hundred percent faithful a hundred percent of the time to us and to remember that. And he will bring us through. And I think, Also, just clinging to our eternal hope. This life is not all there is. That is hard when pain is deafening because it drowns out all the other just life around us and it, it brings us into this echo chamber that that is all we see, that is all we hear and it is hard to move past it. One of the things that you just talked about, which I'd love for you to maybe unpack just a little bit, is how God has done other healing work in your life. And so you're praying specifically for the pain to be removed, but how has God healed you in unexpected ways in the midst of saying no to that, but I'm going to do something deeper in your life? So tell us a little bit about that.
0: When I shared about that life threatening illness that I had after I was working those crazy 100 hour weeks and I fell into that pit of depression, as doctors cleared me to start and go back very part time in the beginning to work, once I got the okay, I didn't want to go back to work. And the reason was, is because. In those five months where I could do nothing, nothing other than sleep, pray, listen to praise and worship music and watch sermons online. Like I could do nothing. I was not much of a wife or a mother, couldn't be the doctor. But by the end of that time, I had spent so much time cocooning with God. Mm. Mm-hmm. That I didn't even want to go back to being the doctor. I wanted to stay in my cocoon and continue growing in my walk with him. Mm-hmm. But when I was released, what I had prayed when I was so sick and when I was so depressed, I thought, Lord, I don't, I don't want to go through this. And but if I have to, please do not waste my pain. And the very first day that I went back to the private practice. I cried the whole drive there. I didn't want to go back. I didn't I didn't want to be that doctor. And I remember this was another moment where I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but it was almost like a, a holy whisper. And it was like God was saying, Michelle, I never asked you to work 100 hours a week. My yoke is easy and my burden is like, you chose to take it on yourself to be the provider for your family. And if you never work another hour, I'm not going to love you any less. But if you decide to go back and work that crazy schedule, I'm also not going to love you anymore. Like my love for you was already sealed at the cross. So you have a choice to make. And Jody, that changed my relationship to God, because when I went back to work, it was because I loved God instead of it being because I was trying to earn God's love.
1: So good. Mm -hmm.
0: The very first patient I saw, she came into my office. She had long sleeves and she sat there and I had gotten over my crying spell I had detached my home IV long enough to go to the office for a couple hours. And she shared that she had just gone through a major medical crisis and she rolled up her sleeves and showed me that she was bruised from her wrist to her shoulder. And she said, honestly, like, I'm not sure I want to go on living. And I sensed God say, show her. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever argued with God, but in that, Flash second, I argued with God. I was like, I can't show her. And He's like, Show her. And I'm like, Lord, you know, in mental health, like we're supposed to be a blank slate. We're not supposed to share our personal details with our clients. And I, and it was so, it was such a strong impression in my heart. He was like, Show her. Hmm. So I rolled up my sleeves. I too was bruised from my wrist up to my shoulder from all the IVs and blood draws and everything. And I showed her and I looked into her eyes and I said, I don't think it is any coincidence that you are sitting in my office today. And I want you to know that you are loved and you are seen and you are cared for and you have a purpose and a future and a hope. And she just started to sob. And she said, this is the first time I felt like I was seen. Hmm. And had I, had I not returned, I wouldn't have gotten the blessing of seeing God answer my prayer. Because I had told God, if I have to go through this, I don't want it to be for nothing. I want there to be purpose in my pain. And that's just one of many circumstances where he's like, if you will let me use your pain for good. I will, and you will get to be part of the blessing.
1: Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I'd like you to give a word of encouragement to two people that could be listening to the podcast. So here's the first person, and that is somebody who is journeying with someone in pain or is a friend to somebody in pain. And you talked about these secondary pain that our words can cause for people. And so I'd love for you to give a word of encouragement to somebody who may want to, you know, coach somebody or give, give their advice to someone who is in a season of deep pain. So what's a word of encouragement you have for them?
0: When we are in pain, what we want more than anything is to be seen. And to know that we still have value and to be cared for. But so often when people see someone else's pain, they don't know what to say, or they feel so uncomfortable that they say something to actually make them feel better rather than the pain suffer. And sometimes I think most of the time, Jody, our friends mean well. Mm Mm-hmm have the best of intention. Their heart is good. But if they've not walked through the kind of pain we are, sometimes their responses can inflict more pain on us. And it can sound like, well, I know this is hard, but God works all things together for good. Yes, he does. But for the pain sufferer, that makes us feel like you can't relate to the depth of our pain. Or nothing is impossible with God. That is also true. But by giving those Bible verse band-aids, it invalidates the pain and the pain sufferer. Or by saying, well, you must have unconfessed sin in your life, or, or you just need to pray more, or have you tried this supplement, this potion, this prayer? What is more helpful is for you to be present over worrying about having the perfect recommendation for the pain sufferer. I guarantee they've already thought through all these things. I can't tell you how many suggestions we got walking through cancer. We spent a fortune on all the extra stuff that didn't help. But take a lesson from Job. Job's friends came and sat with him in his suffering and said nothing for a week. They were just present. Mm -hmm. They didn't get in trouble until they started telling Job why they thought he suffered all the things he suffered and what he should be doing. And that's when things really went bad. And God even stepped in, in the end of the story and said, "Mm -mm, you are so off base. So if you really want to be a friend to someone who's pain, comments like, I see you and I'm so sorry for your suffering or offering to come over and pick up laundry and, and return it. And you don't even have to see the person or offering to take them out for coffee. But try to avoid comments that suggest that you know why they're suffering because only God really knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Let's not inflict more pain on the pain sufferer.
1: Mm. It's a very good word. Thank you, Dr. Michelle, for that. I would love for you now to just give a word of encouragement to somebody who really is in the valley and is just struggling to keep reaching out for Jesus. And it just feels exhausting right now. So what's a word of encouragement for them to hold on to hope?
0: I want you to know you're not alone. I've been surprised by the number of people who reached out after reading this book and saying, I, you understand. I, 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 You see me in my pain. It's like you're reading my mail. Even if you don't have that person in your life who understands, God does. The thing about our suffering is that in our pain, we are closer to understanding Jesus than at any other time, because he was a man of great sorrow and great suffering. He went through the most torturous, cruel punishment in order so that he could understand our pain. So I want you to know Jesus can relate, even when it feels like your friends and family members cannot. And he does not turn a deaf ear to your cries. Scripture tells us over and over that God bends down. He inclines his ear to listen to our prayers. It says that he is near to the brokenhearted. And so when you feel like, I don't know what else I can do, just simply call on the name of Jesus. Some of my most sincere prayers have been, Jesus, help. And he wants to. But then we have to let go of control and say, I've got to allow God to do the best work in me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's healing our heart. Sometimes it's drawing us closer to him. Sometimes it's healing a relationship. I don't believe God ever intended us to live a life of pain and suffering. Satan is the one that we have to blame for that. Mm -hmm. But God loves you so much. So please don't stop reaching out for the hem of his garment because I think he will honor that. It just doesn't always look like we want it to in the moment.
1: It's a very, very good word. Thank you so much for just encouraging me. And I know anyone who is listening today is also encouraged. Friends, I'm going to put links in the show notes so that you can find Dr. Michelle Bankson. You can find her blog, her website, her books. And thank you. Thank you again for making space to be with us.
0: Thank you for giving voice to those who are in pain and suffering and need that encouragement.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, friends, before you leave, I do want to just take a quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership with us. So if you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find a lot of other faith-centered podcasts that are in their network. And as always, I do want to thank you again for joining me and Dr. Michelle today on so much more, because we really do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us, and we are creating space to listen.
0: The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.